Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. All right, all right. Uh, well, we are in the theme of New Horizons tonight, uh, this month, January, February. And so I'm going to continue on under that theme. And uh, I just want to honor our location pastors, Pastor Sam and Carolina. They just release us more and more all the time. And it's just such an honor to be here speaking, preaching tonight. And so we love, can we honor them tonight? We love you. We think you're amazing. Um, if you want to follow this message online, uh, the podcast will be up during the week. Um, otherwise, you can follow it on the Bible app right now if you want. The notes are up there because I got my notes in early. It's fantastic. Um, there is a first for everything and revival is here, people. Come on. <laughs> Um, and welcome to everyone online. We just love you. We think you're amazing. Uh, we can't wait till you get to be in the room with us. And uh, just this morning, we had a young girl uh, rock up um, because she's been watching online for a while. And she's like, I just can't, this isn't enough on the screen. And so while watching on the screen, she hopped in her car, drove here under the influence of the Holy Spirit because she had no idea where she was going. And she didn't want to pull up maps for fear of losing the stream and managed to get in here partway through the service and sit down and was still like, you know, like looking at the screen going, yeah, this is, this is it. This is, um, so God's doing something. So when Pastor Cam says that online church is, is firing, it's firing. And so... Uh, if you're online, we love you. We think you're amazing. Come, come join us one day as soon as you can. Uh, we'd love to have you here in the building with us. But tonight, uh, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. If you got it, say got it. If you don't got it, say hold up. And when you get it, say got it. All right, Romans Chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not, everyone say, do not, conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Everyone say, transformed. By the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Who wants to know what the will of God is? It begins with a transformed mind, and we'll get into that in just a moment. Uh, you don't have to jump there because these will be on the scriptures uh, behind me. Proverbs 23, verse 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Eat, drink, it says, but his heart is not with you. Proverbs 29, 18, it says, uh, where there is no revelation or in other translations, vision, people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who heeds wisdom's instructions. Um, tonight, uh, under the theme of New Horizons, New Horizons is about a bigger future. It's about a brighter future. God is, God is in the midst of doing bigger things, greater things. There's broad, open spaces in front of us. And, and coming out of COVID, our global senior pastor, Pastor Mark, says, you know what? We, we need to begin to dream again. We need to begin to see again. We need to begin to hear again the Spirit of God. And so um, tonight, I want to provide a message, I guess, that helps us move into that future, your future that God has a future for you. It's a bigger future, a broader future, that God has a, an awesome version of you in the future, that you're not that person yet, but you can become that person. No matter where you find yourself in life, God still has a plan and a purpose for you. You, you could be here and you're six years old. You could be here and you could be 60 years old. You could be greater than that or less than that, but God has a plan for your life. If you have a pulse right now, 
God has a purpose for you. And so uh, I want to speak to that tonight. However, the challenge is that we will not reach that new horizon that we have for our life if we don't understand who we are. You see, who we are, our identity, greatly determines what we get to do, our destiny. Let me, let me say that again. Who we are, our identity, greatly determines what we get to do and who we become, our destiny. Our identity determines our destiny. Uh, therefore, we need to understand and know our identity. You and I need to know, who, who am I? Who, who are we? Particularly at an individual level, uh, and who we are and who we are becoming are inexplicably linked together. There is a version of you tomorrow that's not the same as the version of you today. And so if we understand who we are, our identity, and if we can understand our identity is actually not limited to right now, linear time, who I am and how I behave, but there's actually a, a greater identity that we can tap into in Jesus, then we can actually move into a whole new realm of influence and a whole new realm of possibilities as to our future. Listen, if, if you're here tonight and you're not familiar with church, thank you for being here. Uh, it's awesome that you're here. We thank you for that big, bold step to come tonight. Um, th this, this is the type of message that matters to you because um, you'll discover that your identity is not fixed. It's not based on your mistakes, your past, or anything like that, um, but rather that you have a future and a hope in Jesus Christ. And if you're here tonight, you are familiar with church. You love Jesus. You're a follower of Christ. This, matter, this message matters to you because you'll discover the pathway to living out the destiny that he has for your life. You'll discover what it means to begin to walk in the fullness of who he's called you to be. The title of my message for those of you who are note takers is Your Destiny is Waiting. Let's pray. Father God, do what only you can do tonight. Awaken dreams in people's hearts. A lot, uh, uh, bring to life, God, dreams of destiny and, and big futures, God. Put in front of us, God, the, the images of broad horizons, God, for our own lives. And more than anything, God, let our lives bring glory to you. Through Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Uh, growing up, I had a, a, a friend, good friend, still is, um, if, in case he's watching online. Um, <laughs> and I'm not going to name names because, you know, that's just, hey, it's proper to do that. Um, and he got married. And, and look, we, uh, we grew up together like grade seven onwards. And, um, and the more we grew up, the more we apparently began to look alike, you know, to the point where people would look at us and go, oh, I thought you were person A. And, you know, I'm like, well, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm person B. Um, and, and other times he'd get the same thing. And, and so it was a funny little thing. That, you know, it's like, is that your twin? And like, literally, like, yeah, like, I didn't see it, but it, it, it happened enough times for you to go, okay, maybe this is a thing. People, people think we look alike. Uh, and, and so this is all fun and games until, like, someone gets hurt, obviously. Um, and in this situation, particularly, he, get mar he got married before I got married. And... Um, we were doing youth ministry together, and he got married. And his wife, um, at one point, was a newly married couple, so she wanted to, to give him a display of affection, like a new wife might, um, and, and wound up to come and give him a big on the, ba on the backside, except it wasn't him, it was me. And, um, and, and she caught herself just before, you know, really making contact. And I, as I began to turn around, and she was like... <gasps> Oh my gosh. I was just like, what? She's like, I nearly just smacked you in the butt. I was just like, well, that would have been awkward considering you just got married. And she's just like, you look like 
person A from behind, and I was just like, whoa, all right, look, let's, I've got nothing, bye. <laughs> you know, like, awkward situation, how do I get out of this run? Um, and it really paints, I mean, the moral of the story really is, it's important to clearly see who people are, okay? <laughs> particularly, particularly your spouse, okay? Just fun facts, bonus material there, if you're ever gonna get married, really know who your spouse is from front side and back side. Um, no, okay? But on a deeper level, it's important that we know not only what people look like, but also who we are. It's important that we understand uh, not just other people, but that we know ourselves, that we have a sense of our own identity, that we know who we are, particularly if identity does equal destiny. If, If our identity does determine our destiny, we really need to know who we are. If our vision of ourselves, listen to me, is still the old version of ourselves, we will only dream to the extent that it matches our character. We cannot possibly dream beyond who we believe we are. It's actually not possible. Because you, you, deep down inside yourself, you have a version of yourself that's the real version. Not the person that you put on Instagram, not the person that you put in front of everyone when everyone's watching, but the person who's there with you, sitting on your bedside alone at night, listening to your own thoughts, knowing your own actions, that version of yourself that nobody else knows except you and God. And if, if that version of yourself is, for measurement's sake, just so I can quantify it for you, a two out of 10, you'll never dream beyond two out of 10. The version of your future, the, the version of you in the future will never grow beyond what you believe and see for yourself. And so we need to have a, an upgrade, as it were, to who we are. We need to know who we are so that we can begin to shift what we see for our future. We cannot act inconsistent with who we are. Eventually, uh, we try, we do this all the time as people in a, in a human interactive society. We, we put on front, you know, I went uh, mountain climbing with Josh and the first time, I, like, I'm fit, I'm strong, I'm puffed. Like, I'm like, I'm trying to act inconsistent with who I actually am, which is not a fit person at the time, but now I'm doing good and we're doing great, right? <laughs> Just fun fact, did you know the record for climbing up Mount Biwara is 17 minutes? Right, exactly. Just, just one way, but still 17 minutes. And me and Josh are like trying to get just to the base at 17 minutes, let alone the rest of the way. But we cannot, let, let me put it to you a different way. We cannot act consistently beyond who we are or who we believe ourselves to be. It's actually not even who we are. It's actually more who we believe ourselves to be. You might actually be tremendous. You might actually be fantastic. But if you believe you suck, you suck. If you believe it, that's, that's your limit. That's the ceiling right there. But if you believe that, you know what, I could change, I could grow, I could adapt, I could become someone new, then you could. If we see ourselves through the lens of our mistakes, our failures, our shortcomings, we will only dream of a future, we'll only look to a new horizon as far as we believe ourselves able to go according to who we think we are. It's, it's indicative of our character who we actually think we are. Your destiny is waiting for you to know who you are so that you can behave and therefore become that version of yourself, not stay as who you are right now. We say it all the time. The the gospel of Jesus Christ invites you as you are, but it never leaves you as you are. 
Jesus says, come to me as you are, no matter what your mistakes, no matter what your shortcomings, it doesn't matter. My, my, my sacrifice on the cross covers it all. My blood covers it all. My love for you covers it all. Come as you are. But then Jesus says, I don't want to leave you as you are. I want you to become the fullness of who I created you to be. I want you to become all that I called you to be. Our ability to behave in alignment with our identity, who we are in Christ, comes with the, our ability to renew our minds and see ourselves in light of who Christ is. That's why we read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, because it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Yeah. Then you'll be able to test and approve and see what the, what the will of God is for your life. And not just any will, good, pleasing and perfect will. Who wants that for their life? Yeah. I don't know. It's like, yeah, I want to know the will of God, but I also want to know that it's good, pleasing and perfect. Because if it's perfect, then I can trust God. If it's good, then I know that no matter what it takes to get there, it's going to turn out for my good. If, it ple- if it's pleasing, it's not that it's always going to be easy, but rather that I'm always going to find fulfillment in pursuing the things of God. But it's our ability to transform our thinking. It's our ability to stop a thought in its tracks and go, actually, is that truth? Is that, is that real? Or is, is that just the old version of myself saying that? We cannot become the best version of ourselves if we constantly see us as the worst version of ourselves. We, we can't. If the, if the replay you're playing in your mind is the version of yourself that has all your mistakes and none of your good bits, then you will forever just be the worst version of yourself. And you will not act differently to that. But if you can change your mind... If you, better still, not just change your thinking from a, like a willpower standpoint, but rather from the word of God, which is alive and active and it does not return void, but it achieves what it was sent out to achieve. If you can get that into your mind and begin to renew your mind and see yourself as God sees you, that changes everything. All of a sudden, you're in a position to go, you know what? I actually don't believe my own narrative anymore. I believe what God says about me and he knows me better than I could possibly even know myself. The Bible says that he knows every hair on your head. He numbered your days and wrote them out like a book. He's aware of who you are. And not just who you are, but who you could be. The best version of yourself and the worst version of yourself. And he loves you nonetheless. And he says, hey, would you take my word for who you are? Don't don't take your experience. Don't take your past. Don't take your what you've walked through in life, seasons, trials, the triumphs and the, the low points. Don't, don't take that as who you are. Come to me. Let me tell you who you are. Proverbs 23 verse 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. If we begin to believe the narrative that we're telling ourselves, we will become that person. Our identity is so intrinsically valuable to the future version of ourselves we will only ever act out our identity if we, believe, if we believe ourselves to be that person. And I'm not speaking about this from the position of, oh, this is a great idea. I'm speaking about this from the position of, I know what it's like to go through identity crisis. I know what it's like to look at yourself in the mirror and not recognize yourself anymore. To go, to go from being a, a happy-go-lucky, confident, optimistic uh, the world's my oyster, anything's possible, let's go change the, ro- the world, hoo-ha, type of guy, to the type of guy who sits on his bed and, and finishes a day of work and sits there and, and, and can't get up and looks at his wife and goes, I've I got nothing, and she 
graciously pats me on the, the head, kisses my forehead, and takes my son to bed for the night. Because I, 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 God, I, who am I? I know what it's like to go from one version of yourself one moment and walk through trial and, 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 come, and, and continue to walk through that and try to refigure out what the new version of yourself looks like because the old version just won't cut it anymore because, to be honest, the old version was probably faking it most of the time anyway. And now we're cutting, cutting right through to get to the core of the issue and going, God, actually, who am I? I'm speaking from the position of someone now who's come out the other side of it and goes, you know what, I know who I am. I know who I am in Christ. I know that no matter what my circumstances or situations, my identity in Christ doesn't change. I, I know that I'm, my identity isn't wrapped up in my position, in my uh, activities, in my behavior, but rather it's wrapped up in Christ Jesus who died for me and set me free. And there's nothing in heaven or hell that can take that away from me. I'm speaking from the position of what, is what I've won in freedom in my life is available to you. And I want to tell you that tonight. If you can get this, it sets you free. If you get this, it, it, it transforms your life and puts you on a trajectory to take hold of the destiny that you have for your life because your destiny is waiting for you. But it begins with your identity. It begins with a sense of, you know what? I, I need to know who Christ says about me. We need to take our eyes off of us to begin with to know who we are. Sounds counterintuitive, but this is how the kingdom of God works. We need to take our eyes off us and who we are and put our eyes on Jesus and who he is and what he's done for us. Let, let me allow, would you allow me to tell you who God says you are? Give me, give me two minutes. Let's just go through, and this isn't even an exhaustive list, by the way, but this is what the Bible says that you are. You're called, Romans 8, 28. You're chosen, 1 Thessalonians 1, verse 4. You are loved, and this is just one scripture that tells you that you're loved, Ephesians 2, 4. You are strengthened, Colossians 1, 11. You are ransomed. First uh, Timothy 2, 5 to 6. You are redeemed, Titus 2, 14 and 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19. You are more than a conqueror, Romans 8, 37. You're a joint heir with Christ. That means that whatever is Christ and given to Christ as an inheritance, you have a stake in that as well. Romans 8, 17. You're gifted. For those of you who are sitting here tonight going, I I've got nothing to offer, I've got nothing to give. God says you're gifted. 1 Corinthians 12, 5 to 6, and James 1, 17. For some of you tonight, you're healed. Isaiah 53, verse 5, and 1 Peter 2, 24. It's, it's not a matter of uh, one day I will be healed. No, no, the Bible says you are healed. That's your identity. Whole, body, mind, spirit. Whole in your emotions. Whole in your thinking. Whole in your body. Whole, healed. Favored, Psalm 5, verse 12. Do you know that Psalm says that his favor surrounds us like a shield? That we're so favored that everywhere we walk into, the favor hits the thing in front of us before we get there? You're favored. Oh, I'm getting pumped. I'm only halfway through the list. You're blessed, Ephesians 1, verse 3. You're accepted, Romans 15, 7. You're qualified. Colossians 1, 12. You have peace with God. Romans 5.1, you are free. Galatians 5.1, you are the head and not the tail, above only, not beneath. Deuteronomy 28.13, you are righteous. That's a righteousness that you didn't earn on your own, but it was a given to you by Christ if we believe unto him. You're righteous, which means you have right standing with God. 2 Corinthians 5.21, you have the mind of Christ. Philippians 2.5, powerful, you are powerful in having a sound mind. 2 Timothy 1.7, you are new, new creation. The old is gone, the new is here. 
2 Corinthians 5.17, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139 verse 14, you are the work of God's hands. Ephesians 2.10, you are complete in Christ. Colossians 2.10, you are alive in Christ. Ephesians 2.5, you are free from sin and death. Romans 8.2, and you are born of God. 1 John 5.18. I think this, this concept is really well illustrated in another story in the Bible where Jesus is approaching his disciples. This is in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 to 20. And I'll, I'll paraphrase. It might be on the screen behind me. But Jesus is, is sitting with his disciples. They're chilling out one day. And, and he says, hey, guys, give me the word on the street. This is the damn my hill paraphrase. <laughs> Yo, homies, what's up? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm avoiding Talia Smith's eye gaze. <laughs> it's how she talks in the office with me, so it's like, it wears off after a while. Anyway, Jesus is chilling with his disciples, and he's like, hey guys, what, what, what are, who do people say that I am? Not because Jesus was insecure or anything, but he, he was, he's setting his disciples up, and the disciples start listing off a bunch of things. Well, some people are saying this, and other people are saying that. Some are saying you're Elijah. Some are saying you're the other prophets. Uh, you know, we do this the same, right, in our culture today. Oh, Jesus was a good guy, or he was a prophet, or he was a lunatic, or, you know, like everyone's trying to pick who Jesus is. And then this is what Jesus' response is. And, and the same question that he gave to his disciples is also pointed at us. And he goes, but who do you say that I am? Who, who do you say that Jesus is? And, and Peter... God bless Peter. First off the rank, straight away, revelation from God. He goes, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And, and Jesus then flips it on Peter and goes, and you are Peter. Because before that he was known as Simon, which meant reed. But now he's being renamed, re-identified. He says, you are Peter, which means rock. So you go from being to solid. You're bendable and, 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 and wane and go to and fro to, no, you secure. You're Peter. And on the revelation that you just said that of who I am, I'm going to build a church on that same revelation and the gates of hell will not stand against it. In other words, it's going to continue to move forward. It's going to continue to expand. It's going to continue to grow. So, and, and Peter, you're going to play a major role in the part of that church. So all of a sudden, Peter goes, I understand who you are, Jesus. And Jesus goes, great, let me tell you now who you are and how your identity is linked to your destiny, what you're going to do in the future, who you're going to become in the future. Right? That's, and Jesus does the same thing to us. He goes, hey, who do you say that I am? Hey, I, I don't want to be this fictional character that you read in a story one time. I don't want, to, I don't want you to take the culture's opinion of who, who I am or who I might be or what. I don't know, but who do you say that I am? Who do you know me to be? And once we get that, Jesus, you're God. Jesus, you're the son of the living God. Jesus, you're my savior and my king. Jesus, when we get that revelation, when we get to that point, Jesus' response is always great. Now, let me tell you who you are. You're called, you're redeemed. And we go back through that list again. Because once we know who we are, then Jesus begins to go, hey, now let me tell you who you're gonna become. You're becoming a man of character. You're becoming a woman of favor. You're blessed. You're blessed going in and you're blessed going out. No matter what comes your way, you are more than a conqueror. Yeah, yeah. Come on, you, you battle anxiety now, but in me, you're free and you have a sound mind. 
Come on, you, you can't look at yourself in the mirror because you don't think that you're beautiful, but God says, I, am, I made you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. And not only did I make you, you're a masterpiece and you're the work of my creation. You're, you're my workmanship. And I don't make mistakes. That's what happens when we understand who Jesus is. All of a sudden, we begin to hear who we are. And then, then, once we know our identity, then the destiny part comes. I love what that scripture says in, in Matthew. It says, um, we got it on the screen. Can you go to the next one? And the next one? I'm looking for keys to the kingdom. There we go. And I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. The key, keys equal authority and access. Keys equal authority and access. We have keys to the kingdom. Once we discover our identity, we get access and authority in the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is, or the kingdom of God is, is God's power, God's reign, and his reality. His reality. Not our reality, where we see our circumstances and situations, but it's his reality. Therefore, when we have keys to the kingdom, when we know who we are, we get access and authority in the realm of God's power, the realm of his reign, and the realm of his reality. Uh, we, we, uh, Sarah and I have a, a friend who lives with us. Her name's Tash. Um, she has keys to our house. She can come and go whenever she wants. She lives there. She pays rent. It's great. Uh, if you don't have keys to my house, you don't have access. You have to knock. I'm just clarifying. <laughs> You can't just come into my house. Hey, Pastor Dan, what's up? Get out! What are you doing here? How did you find my address? Talking to T. Smitty again, haven't you? Joking. But if you don't have keys, you don't have access. And you don't have authority just to come in whenever you want. Like, it's sometimes creepy because we sometimes hear the door, like, rattling as the key's doing its thing. And I'm like, Sarah and I looking at each other like, who's coming? And then Tash walks in like, of course, you live here. It's like, that makes sense. But for a moment, we're like, who has access to our house? Who did you give keys to? And yet Jesus comes to us and he goes, I'll give you keys. Hey, don't, come into my house. Come, come in where I can tell you who you are. Come, come and live with me. Come stay with me. Let me, let me tell you. And, and not just come into my house, but you, once you're, like, Tashi now has, like, open rain. Like, she has her own stuff, but it's like, hey, if you need any of our butter, you can use our butter. You need sugar, have our sugar. You know, it's like, and not the couch, that's in mine. You know, like... <laughs> Not really. It's like, wherever you, like, you have access, full access. Mikas is sukas, and Jesus is the same. He's like, you come into my house. Come. Hey, look. And not only does he say that for this life, but also Jesus says when he's leaving, he, this is just an added bonus because it wasn't in my message, but I feel like I need to tell someone. Do you know he's preparing a house for you on the other side of eternity? Do you know he's preparing a mansion for you? He goes, you know, my father has many, many houses, many rooms in his mansion. And if it weren't, so I, I, I wouldn't be leaving because I'm going to prepare a way for that. But, but I tell you, it's, it's awesome. It's going to be amazing. But you'll never reach the fullness of what he has for you if you don't believe in who he says you are. You'll never get to your destiny. You'll never take full hold of the full version, the best version of yourself if you get stuck believing the worst version of yourself. We can unlock our true identity and our nature in Christ based on what he has accomplished on our behalf. Living out of who we are, or living out of who he says we are, or we can use those same keys 
And that same authority to remain bound in our dysfunction, in our immaturity, and in our childish ways. The keys are in our hands. The choice is ours. Because listen to what the scripture says. It says, whatever you loose on heaven will be loose, and whatever you bind on, on will be bound. So we get, we get the choice. We get to loose things and we get to bind things. Yeah. And we can remain bound in our old identity, or we can, step, or we can, or we can walk loose into the new identity that we have in Christ. The, 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 the choice is ours. In fact, the choice is always ours. It's the difference between having a mindset of a victim and a victor. It's, it's the difference between seeing yourself as one who is tossed to and fro by the circumstances of the world, the things that you go through in life, or, or someone who says that no matter what comes my way, I know who I am in Christ. I've recently come across this phrase, and it's very closely becoming an idea of becoming a tattoo on my body at one point, maybe, hypothetically, I don't know. I've run it by Sarah, she's good with it. <laughs> Some of you are worried for me. Like, all of a sudden, like, check with Sarah, damn. <laughs> like, hey, babe, check it out. No. <clears throat> but the, the, the term is this. Fall seven, rise eight. I fall seven times, but I rise eight. Because I know who I am. I, I, I'm not a victim. Stuff might happen. It might, sometimes it's my fault. It's my mistake. Other times it's beyond my ability to control anything. But no matter how many times I thought, because Proverbs tells me that a righteous man, and I know I'm righteous because I read that list and I'm righteous in Christ because he gave me righteousness. So a righteous man that Proverbs says may fall seven times, but he rises again. So fall seven, rise eight. That's who I am. I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. But I recognize that that choice is mine because Jesus gave me the keys to make that choice. And the same is for you. The choice really is yours. You might not feel empowered right now, but the Spirit of God wants to remind you, you still have a choice. You can believe that depression. You can believe that anxiety. You can believe that false narrative of what happened in your childhood. And I'm not saying it wasn't real and it didn't hurt, but I'm saying you don't have to stay in it. I'm saying you don't have to remain in it. You don't have to replay it over and over and over and over and over again. You can choose to stop and go, you know what, that's, that might have happened. And that's really real. But Jesus has a better future for me. Jesus has a better plan for me. And I choose to step into that version of myself. I choose to take hold of that version of myself. How is it that some people can go through life, horrific situations, horrible situations, and yet come out stronger, better, more conquering, and yet others go through equally horrific stuff? They go through equally horrific seasons and equally horrific moments, and it crushes them. The answer is identity. The answer is who you see yourself to be. Listen, this is a key for someone. What surrounds you cannot touch or change what's inside you. It only reveals it. It only reveals it. And this is the scary part from the story of my life because I thought, you know, all this stuff's happening in my life, all, all these circumstances that I was walking through and I felt pulled to and fro and, until God grabbed me by the scruff of the neck and says, it doesn't change who you are on the inside. So either you're living out of who you actually are and you just don't like the reality of that and you, you can change it because I'm here with you or you're allowing yourself to be pushed around and not actually addressing the real issue which is your identity. The good news is, the good news is that we get to determine who we are and who we become.
We can base it on our own efforts or we can base it on the power and the accomplishment of God through Jesus Christ, but the decision remains ours. The decision forever remains ours. As we believe who we are, not based on our behavior, not based on what we've done in the past, not based on what might happen tomorrow, but based on who Jesus is, through the Holy Spirit, we begin to become and act like the person that we will become. Our thinking would go something like this. This is an example. I'm loved by God, therefore, I don't need the approval of others. I am accepted by God, therefore, I don't need to impress those around me. I am chosen by God, therefore, I don't need to compromise my character to feel like I need to fit in. This is, this is the shift that begins to take place. As we begin to believe the narrative of our new identity in Christ, we, be, we begin to shift how we behave because our thinking always dictates how we behave. So all of a sudden, I, I have peace with God, therefore, I'm not anxious about the future because I know that he is in control and he is good and he loves me. Once we have our identity down pat, then we recognize the behavior that accompanies that type of an identity. We begin to tell ourselves, no, no, that's not how a called person would act. No, 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 I know how a chosen person would act. No, no, that's not how a righteous person would behave. Because all of a sudden, our identity is secure in Christ. And we begin to recognize the enemy's lies for what they really are, and we go, you know what? Mm, I probably don't think that's how a righteous person would act. Not because it's now a rule, not, it's not a list of now to-dos and don'ts, but all of a sudden we've got a vision of ourselves that's, that's more amazing than anything we've ever thought could be possible for our lives. We've, we've caught a glimpse of what's on the other side of if we live in Christ and He in us, and all of a sudden I want to be that person more than anything. That's why I, I told that proverb right at the start. It says, for where there is no revelation... People cast off restraint. Or another, another translation says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. It's because if we don't have an idea of who we're becoming, if we don't have a, a vision for that version of ourselves, that, that picture of Dan Myhill in five years from now, that picture of Paul Savage in three years from now, that picture of Kimberly three years from now, it's like, if we don't have that picture, we'll cast off restraint. Yeah, whatever. But if we've got a vision of ourselves that goes, you know what, that's, you know, that. That Dan's called. You know, that Paul's called. That Kim's called. That Jason's called. A called person wouldn't, wouldn't, nah, no, I know, yeah, no, I know who I am. I'm going to live according to that person, that version of myself. Jensen Franklin says it like this. He says, I, I, I am, therefore I must. And he takes that from Jesus' life because Jesus goes, I am the great shepherd. And then a couple of verses later, he says, I must bring in the sheep. And you begin to do the same in your life. You go, I am a child of God. Therefore, I must behave this way, act this way, do these things. Not because it's, it's do's and don'ts, but because there's a version of myself, a, a picture of myself that I want to I I take hold of that. I tell you what, this is not my best message. Because there's a version of myself in the future that's, man, he's writing way better messages. I've seen it. I'm, I'm not the best version of, of a husband that I can be right now. Because there's a version of me that I've seen it. He's a better husband than me right now. That's what I'm aiming for. But I start behaving like that now until I become that tomorrow. I start, I start believing that version of me now. And it, I let Christ 
begin to transform my thinking, begin to transform my identity so that I can walk in the fullness of that tomorrow. It begins with who we choose to be today. It begins with what we choose to accept as our identity today. I want to give you two practical tips so that you don't walk out of here thinking, that's a great message, but what do I do that tomorrow in my workplace? What do I do tomorrow when I'm sitting with, by myself and I'm still stuck with the same thoughts? One, know who you are in Christ. We, we've given these out a couple of times. I'm not sure if we've still got these, but these are, we can get them, I'm pretty sure. Looking at Talia, yeah, yeah, there we go. She's the boss, man. Uh, these, these, these tell you who you are. There's, these are just lists of what the Bible says who you are. And I just carry them in my Bible. And anytime I, I've got, I've recorded myself saying these lists out loud so that whenever I need to, I can hit play on that recording and just hear myself tell myself. It's a weird, like, you know, Inception style. <laughs> but I hear myself tell myself, this is who I am. Right. I, don't, I don't feel like this right now, but God, I am Righteous. I don't feel like doing this right now, but I am disciplined. I don't feel like this right now. I don't see this right now, but I'm called. I have the mind of Christ. And the list goes on and on. So if you want one of those, we can get that for you. But either way, you can look it up online. Who I, Google who I am in Christ. Just list after list after list. And two, get a vision for your life. Concentrate on who you want to become, not on what you want to do. Concentrate on who you want to become, not what you want to do. Because once you know who you want to become, the behavior will follow that. I want to become a man of character. Okay, that means I need to stop looking at things online. I want to become a woman of strength. That means, that means I need to stop acting like a victim every time something happens to me. I want to become fill in the blank. That means the behavior would follow like this. And you can do it. Not because you have to do it by yourself, but because Christ is standing right there with you going, yes, you get it. I'm with you. Let's go. You can become that. I've got a bigger future for you. I've got a destiny that's waiting for you. Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you.